Welcome to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners, where we have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators in the NextGen investing ecosystem. I'm your host, Dan Mindis. We hope you enjoy the discussion. My guest today is Tom Griffiths, co-founder and CEO of Hone. NextGen Venture Partners is an investor in Hone, which came out of Tom's experience as a co-founder and longtime executive at FanDuel. As FanDuel grew, Tom needed to bring managers up to speed and quickly, and he couldn't find any good products to do so. He created Hone to solve that problem. Hone leverages video conferencing for a new approach to management training. During the COVID outbreak, that's something I think we need as much as ever. In this conversation, Tom shares the Hone story, some great thoughts on what leaders need to do today in light of COVID, and we discuss the future of leadership training. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Tom, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the origin story. Where did Hone get started? Yeah, so going way back, um, I was based in the UK, trying to strike it lucky building startups and had a few cracks at that and ultimately um, created a company that did take off. Um, started as five founders around a, a kitchen table in Scotland, um, grew a company that went on to become uh, FanDuel from that humble beginning to over uh, 500 people in North America and, uh, and Europe, grew it to um, a billion dollar business in 2015 and just a real amazing experience of hyper growth and uh, what that feels like on the inside um, as a leader and a manager. I think you know, for me as a you know, mid-20s something um, kind of nerd used to programming computers, I had to do a lot of learning to lead a, a, a team and a company like that. And so put a lot of effort into management, leadership theory and, and practice. And uh, over the years got better, but actually found that that was quite a hard experience. And especially as we got to scale, um, it was really challenging to, to train our leaders and managers in a fast-paced, distributed environment. You know, we had um, seven or so offices across the U.S. And, and Europe. And it was it was really surprising to me that the best we could do with all of our technology for training leaders and managers was fly everybody to a location, stick them in a conference room for a couple of days and um, give them a, a training experience that felt like it would have been the same if it was you know, in, in the 1980s. And so we wanted to reimagine what, leadership and management training should look like for the modern workplace. So, you know, fast-paced, distributed teams with measurable outcomes um, and really make it much more convenient, cost-effective, and, and measurable for companies to do that kind of training. So that's what's behind the idea for, for Home. You know, I think I talk to, obviously, a lot of entrepreneurs and really just people and organizations generally, and the hardest thing is almost always the people, right? It's managing teams, leading teams, recruiting and yet there doesn't seem to be a ton of innovation around that, at least in terms of sort of the scalable technology products that you and I are used to, to working mm-hmm. in. What do you think explains this sort of lack of innovation, at least is when you compare it to you know, anything from traditional enterprise software to ride sharing? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it can be explained through technology changes. Um, really... If you look at the history of leadership and management training, we've always had classrooms and you know, go back to the 1960s or before um, and people were taught everything in a classroom. You had to be physically there with a stand and deliver instructor uh, at the front and you know, workbooks and exercises, group discussion and uh, you know, practice. And 
that's really the way that we're still doing things today. 75% of leadership training hours are stand and deliver instructor-led training. Um, in the middle of all of that, we had a great breakthrough, uh, say 15, 20 years ago with online video. And so e-learning was meant to be this brand new way that everyone was going to learn everything. Uh, we had the big MOOCs. Um, a lot of universities started putting out courseware in, in, light, in uh, asynchronous video, and that was going to replace the classroom. And actually, that didn't happen. Um, it did work very well for certain topics, like how to learn Python programming. It's great to see someone make a video about how to get that started and learn in your own time, scrubbing back and forth on certain techniques for self-paced technical skills. And there are fantastic platforms and um, learning experiences around that. But actually, pre-recorded video where you just sit and watch, or even worse, kind of sit and click through things, doesn't work for people skills like leadership and management or communication, teamwork, conflict management. Um, that really needs to be taught interactively um, and practiced and um, the learners given feedback and demonstrations. So again, we're stuck in the classroom because that's the only place until recently that you can do that. And so with all of our AI and cryptocurrency, um, people forget that one of the other areas of breakthrough um, has been live video chat uh, in the last few years. And so platforms like uh, the U ubiquitous Zoom these days uh, and other technology stacks like WebRTC really do allow us to have high-resolution, low-cost um, group video experiences now, whereas even you know five, six years ago, that was quite hard to do well. And so naturally, um, as teams become more distributed, so should training experiences. And given the fact that we've had those video technology breakthrough, breakthroughs, we can now create those classroom experiences online. And so Hone is leading the way in building a platform around doing that. So I really do think it's the technology shift that's enabled uh, this hybrid human plus technology solution. So you're now out in the market with this e-learning video-based solution for leadership training, people skills. Uh, flesh out what the product looks like. How do users engage with it? What's their experience? Yeah. So as we were designing it, um, we wanted to keep all the good things about the live classroom and fix some of the challenges that you have with that logistically and time commitment wise. And also you know, learn from the explosion that we've seen over the last 15, 20 years in more traditional asynchronous e-learning, convenience, analytics, personalization, that kind of thing. So one way to look at what we do is taking the best of both worlds of those two products and combining them. So what we have is a platform where um, a learner or an L&D or HR leader can go. They can browse a catalog of these different um, high-impact, short, live virtual training sessions. Um, they're typically 60 minutes long. Um, you can sign up for one for your company where you could get you know, 10, 20 people through um, at your organization, or you can join a public session where uh, that's with people from other companies run on a calendar that we operate, but that's nice because you can join as an individual. You don't have to get a bunch of people together at your company. And that's obviously more affordable. So browse the catalog. I might be interested in something like how to manage a remote team or how to really um, deliver a great uh, a group meeting. I can join the session. I get um, push notifications and alerts leading up to that session, telling me what I should read or think about ahead of the uh, the live experience. 
Then I join. Um, there's a one or two top executive coaches on the session, um, and typically, you know, eight to twelve learners as well. So it's a really intimate setting. Um, it's live video. Everybody's got their uh, cameras on. So um, there's kind of a wall of faces, and that makes it really intimate and interactive. It's not like you're checking your email at the back of an auditorium in, in another type of training. Um, everybody's engaged. Everybody's participating. Um, we break out into smaller groups called breakout rooms that give people an opportunity to practice and discuss and then come back for, for more discussion. So we we ask the coach uh, and also track this with the software to speak less than 50% of the time. It's a really an interactive session, um, it, you know, in contrast to just watching a video on how to do this kind of thing. So people come away with an experience where they've, yes, learned something, but also practiced it. And then they can use that immediately back when they get to work. Um, but we don't take that for granted. Uh, we actually um, use some of our technology to drive that behavior change over time. So in a session, say I'm learning about um, how to you know, give challenging feedback to someone, um, I'll practice that in a session, but then I'll also um, make a commitment in the system to say, I'm going to go try this technique with um, Susan, my direct report, this Wednesday. And so the system remembers that, and then they'll They'll get an alert on Tuesday saying, are you ready for your session tomorrow, Susan? Um, and then after the, it's happened, you know, how did that go? What are your reflections? And then for the next session, a week later, because we typically chain these things together, um, the coach will know to follow up with that participant and say, how did the application of our learning um, go for you? Uh, is there any way we can help right now? So we really care about both the learning transfer and then the measurement of that. So it's not just a one and done training session like the old days, but it's actually you know bedded in over time and, and measured on the platform. Tom, you mentioned two things there about how live group sessions are better than watching a video or clicking through a lesson plan. One was the practice and the other was making a commitment and then coming back to that. I'm curious, how else do you see these you know, superiority of live and group sessions versus those more traditional kind of online learning or you know asynchronous self-paced online learning? What else is behind this move to coach-led small group? Yeah, you mentioned two of the big ones there. Um, I think the one that is kind of implicitly obvious is that people can be anywhere. Um, and so that means that as teams get more distributed, then this works for the way that mod the modern workplace is going. Um, this was a trend that we were betting on two years ago. Um, and before all of the current COVID-19 crisis, we still saw 67% of companies having some level of distributed um, workforce. Now, obviously, a huge majority of uh, companies are, are operating in a new way. Uh, that is distributed. And so we've seen a massive influx of interest for this kind of solution. Um, and that convenience um, that's obvious in that people can be anywhere is also has a, a non-obvious benefit, which is, well, you know, if I can just switch this on for an hour, like any other meeting, well, actually, I don't need to bunch it all together. I can do it once a week really conveniently, like, you know, any other meeting. And so back in the old days when we would fly everybody to a location for two days, to kind of saturate your brain with new information, a lot of learning science shows that that's not a great learning experience. And really 
24, 48 hours later, you only retain about 30% of what you were taught. Whereas if you chunk it up into smaller 60-minute sessions and do that over eight weeks rather than eight hours in a day and have that opportunity to practice in between, then that's just a much more scientifically effective learning experience. So from convenience comes um, that scientific uh, reinforcement and retention, um, which, you know, amongst other reasons, um, makes us huge believers in this as the future of training. We talked a little bit already, the sort of lag in moving to next generation tools in the learning and development space. But I guess for folks in the technology world, I think it is really striking the degree to which corporate training is still in-person lecture. Mm -hmm. You talked about the 80s. To me, I think about Socrates and Plato. (laughs) Let's move back millennia. There are clearly better tools out there. Why do you think it is that people are still going to lecture halls? Great question. I mean, I, I think, like I say, there hasn't really been the recreation online at scale until very recently of those interactive experiences where people feel not only do I get to practice, but I get to ask questions. I also get to be social and see other people learning and have them help help me. Um, and so we, we haven't had a good alternative. Um, and it's just been habituation at companies where, you know, they do have um, perhaps years or decades of legacy of delivering something in this way. And, you know, they feel if it isn't broken, then why should I fix it? I think the why should I fix it has become very clear in the last few years because the next generation of leaders, um, call it the millennials, call it, um, you know, next generation, learn in a different way, have different attention spans and um, working habits. So they're not going to sit through two, three days of um, being talked at. They want to get the information in a way that's convenient for them. Um, and they want to go use it and, and have it level them and their, their team and their mission up more effectively. So I think that people's habits are changing. And now technology has enabled for the first time you know, a, a high fidelity alternative. So I, I do think that we're going to see things shift, um, uh, especially accelerated by the current crisis. But you know, that was happening in the last year or two as well. So excited to, to, to see this migration to a, a new modality. Yeah, and the COVID era that we are in now is accelerating the move to online in a whole host of areas. I'm sure it's also changing the content. What do managers want to talk about and learn about in these sessions? So what's happening at that level? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of interest for um, new leaders learning how to manage a remote team. So what are best practices for building trust and accountability when you're not sitting next to someone. It could be um, you know, only a couple of touch points a day. How do I build that trust and accountability um, and keep productivity high despite the fact that we're working in a new way and obviously there's a lot more going on um, in the surrounding environment. Um, another thing that we're seeing big demand for is uh, at a, a more executive level, how do I lead through such an uncertain time? Um, or through a time of crisis, what do I do differently um, with my leadership style? And so we've had some great content and great conversations with our our learners about the particular challenges of of those um, new ways of working Uh, and uh, had a lot of great feedback about the content that we're putting out there on those topics. I'm curious, are there any 
takeaways that you have. You've led product and engineering teams in an incredibly high-paced company. You're now the CEO of your own startup. Anything that's come out of the recent environment and the content that you're creating that has impacted how you think about you know, your own leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a couple of things. One of the learnings from the neuroscience research of leadership through crises is that the real killer here is uncertainty. Um, people just don't know, when are we going back to the office? What does this mean for my company? What does this mean for my job? And what does this mean for my health and my family? So it's just a huge um, level of um, uncertainty and, and associated fear right now. And that registers in the brain as a, an error. Uh, you program to try and reduce that uncertainty. What can I do um, to, to, to bring back certainty? And so as a leader... What you need to do for your team as frequently as possible is to lay out what we do know um, and the certainty that we do have. And for the uncertain, the things that are just naturally uncertain, let's be clear about that and how we're approaching it and how over time we can bring um, more certainty to that environment. So, for example, you know, a great um, leader in this crisis has been Andrew Cuomo. He will say, I don't know when we're going to be able to um, reopen, but what we do know is what we're doing right now is saving lives. And we don't know when we're going to get this equipment, but we do know that we're working on it with these various parties. And so it's important to balance the, the certainty and the uncertainty together. One of the other things that relates to that um, is as a leader, using something called the Stockdale technique or Stockdale paradox, um, dates back to uh, the military. It was Admiral Stockdale who uh, was interned in a prisoner of war camp uh, in the, during the Vietnam War. And when asked um, who made it through, did it surely had to be just the optimistic type to, to make through this incredibly challenging time. He was like, no, actually, it was the optimist perished first because they would always set a goal and uh, of when they would be able to go home and actually you know, that would come and go and it would erode their confidence. And that, you know, that would affect them physically. Similarly, the pessimists uh, were always looking on the dark side of things and, and weren't able to mentally make it through. What he found was the folks who survived really balanced those two things um, in their mind at the same time. So an unwavering belief that things are going to be okay in the end with a realistic understanding of the fact that this is going to be bad for a while. And so whether it's the COVID crisis right now at home or actually you know, some of the uh, crises that we experienced in previous companies, I've always found it really useful to pair those two things together. You know, this is going to be fine in the end. In fact, um, when it comes to the COVID crisis, Hone is actually you know, a big supporting factor in, in the business world right now because we offer live online training. This can be a moment where we can really serve, but actually, yes, it is going to be challenging in, in the interim because uh, you know, training budgets are getting looked at, Perhaps people are looking, you know, their attention is elsewhere. Um, so it might be a little bit harder in some sectors to, to close sales. And so you have to balance the ultimate faith with the realistic perception of what's happening right now. Speaking of ultimate faith, where will Hone be several years from now? Hopefully COVID is very much in the rear view mirror then. You're a couple years into this, but there's a big runway ahead. What's the long-term vision? We're really excited about reimagining what live training looks like for the modern workplace. And we see Hone being the go-to platform for that, for all types of training that 
are typically taught in the classroom. We want to see that taught and experienced on home. So the go-to leadership, management, people skills, um, training experience. Um, in the same way that you have plural site for te- technical skills, we see hone being you know, that go-to platform for people skills. And so excited to continue to build the catalog and build a technology platform um, to deliver on that vision. Tom, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. To learn more about us or to hear all of our past podcasts, please go to nextgenvp.com. And now for some important disclaimers. The information contained in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to purchase any securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Any performance or projections contained herein may be significantly affected by future events. Any opinions, assumptions, assessments, statements, or the like regarding future events or which are forward-looking constitute only subjective views and beliefs, should not be relied on, and are subject to change due to a variety of factors, including fluctuating market conditions and economic factors.